Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe and download wherever podcasts are found or visit 1037thebuzz.com. Welcome in Out of Bounds here on 1037 The Buzz. Appreciate everybody listening in on this beautiful day here in the great state of Arkansas. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin in studio with you today. And thank you as always for making us a part of your afternoon this afternoon. What's going on, Joe? Oh, man, it's a good day, as always. I like that by Coach Musk. Got to stop Vascovi. Yes, exactly right. Because if you think back to the games that Arkansas has lost this year, they've lost 10 of them in basketball. And almost all of them were close. Close games. Maybe uh, the final score, if it was a little larger, like the Kentucky game, for instance, uh, it was closer than what the final score said. Can't say that about that Tennessee game the last time these two teams played. That was from beginning to end, total and complete domination by Tennessee. But now Arkansas gets a chance to redeem themselves tomorrow night in Bud Walton. With Isaiah Joe back. And he can be a big difference in the game and the way this team plays. He showed to be a big difference in the way they played against Missouri. So hopefully that goes over into this game as well. Yeah, that's what you're hoping for because now after you're getting Isaiah Joe back and you got that victory against Missouri, which let's be honest, Missouri's not a good team. They're it's not, not. It's not like you were beating an NCAA tournament team with Missouri. It was nice to beat Missouri because you got sick and tired of losing to Missouri and everything. But uh, you got that victory. Now you're hoping that it can maybe bring some confidence back to your team. That seemed like it had been lost for a little bit. Uh, and, you know, the thing that was great about it is I actually went on a radio st- uh, station in Knoxville today as they were just wanting to talk about the Razorbacks in the Tennessee Volunteer game. And one of the things that uh, I was discussing with them and I, c- I didn't really get a chance to yesterday really bring it up is just really how maybe if Isaiah Joe doesn't go out and make a bunch of threes or score 21 points, I don't think you have to necessarily have that from him from every game, although it is nice. It's more just having the threat of Isaiah Joe that's going to help out the other players around him, like a Desi Sills, like a Jimmy Witt, maybe even an Adrio Bailey. So that way you don't have to rely on him having to do all that, not to mention Mason Jones still, who's a great player. But just having the threat of Isaiah Joe is just leaps and bounds so much more impactful and helpful to this team more than anything. It is, and that was the thought going into the Missouri game because nobody knew if he was going to be at full strength, how much he was going to be able to contribute, how much time he was going to be able to play But now that he did go in and play that well, and it's on film, now you have Tennessee concentrating on trying to stop him, and that's going to open up those guys even more. Yeah, I I mean, Isaiah Joe's just an exciting player within himself. But, again, it's always going to be that woulda, coulda, shoulda thing. What if? What if Isaiah Joe was healthy for all these games? What would the record be? What would Arkansas be like right now? And, unfortunately, the NCAA, I don't know, like, People keep bringing up the fact that if Arkansas finishes strong to the regular season, maybe win a game or two in the SEC tournament, then the NCAA tournament committee is going to say, well, let's see how, you know, that little losing streak they went on that was out Isaiah Joe. But Mm -hmm. now that they have Isaiah Joe back, we want to give them a little more consideration because I don't, I don't know if the NCAA tournament goes to into that much depth. There is human element that comes into it and it's coming down to the last few teams. If Arkansas happens to be one of those last few teams, and they start discussing why do we take this team as opposed to this team or what are the pros and cons of this team versus another team. They do discuss all those type things, and it became apparent to me that Isaiah Joe was dealing with that injury for quite a while because not only during that stretch when he was gone did Arkansas struggle without him, but he was struggling as an individual player leading up to that. So it shows he had been dealing with that injury leading up to it and he just wasn't the same type of player because he was injured at that point. He just couldn't get the lift, and his shot wasn't there. It wasn't the same. You know, I was thinking about this, too, with Isaiah Joe, because they asked me this as well when I was over in Knoxville. But is there a particular player that Isaiah Joe reminds you of? Like, And it can be like a, a, a former Razorback or even like a, an NBA player, because I was trying to think about it. He's, he's a great three-point threat. We all know that. Uh, he can make free throws. He's not as good as Mason Jones, but still a competent free throw shooter. He does good perimeter defense, really has no inside game. I mean, other than just hitting a jumper or anything, he's not driving the lane or anything. So I was trying to think, and, and honestly, and this may be a bad comparison, Joe. Uh oh. But uh, as far as the type of play he has, uh-huh. he kind of reminds me of an Anthlon Bell. 
a better Anthlon Bell. Okay. Because Anthlon Bell, and for those who probably don't remember him, he was there for uh, the Bobby Portish years, and uh, his his final year at Arkansas was the year that the only year that uh, Mike Anderson finished with a 500 record at Arkansas. I believe that was before Jalen Barford, Daryl Macon. I have to get my years mixed up. But anyways, he was a player that was uh, just awesome at three pointers, and was a pretty good defender in the perimeter. But but that was pretty much all of his game, and that's not a bad thing, and that's not a side against Joe because I think Isaiah Joe is better. But it's like if you can just count on him to play great perimeter defense and just make his open threes, that's really all you need from him. You don't have to have him do the Mason Jones game because you got Mason Jones to do that. You don't mm-hmm. have to have him do the Jimmy Witt game because Jimmy Witt's doing that. But if you can just have him make his threes when he's got a good look at him, make his free throws if he gets to the line, and play good shutdown perimeter defense. That's all you need from Isaiah Joe at this point. I was thinking more like Scotty Thurman because I'm thinking of okay. the the shooting. Yeah. The shooting ability is there, and then the smoothness of his game. I, I think their games may be a little bit different, but I just think the way it kind of resembles with the smoothness of his game, I think Scotty Thurman. Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a good comparison too because, again, it's, it's tough to, especially this day and age of how basketball has changed since Scotty Thurman played in 1994 and – to know that uh, how not only the game has changed, but the opponents have changed, the styles have changed. It's tough to say, but that's what makes, I think, that this team is so unique that when they're clicking on all cylinders, it's hard to beat them in any stretch. Because Mason Jones, there's, I mean, I was thinking about it just in Arkansas history, there's not really a player that I can think back on, in recent history at least, to say, he. this guy reminds me of a Mason Jones. Cause, Todd Day. See, and that, that was the only one that I could think of that I could really, because he's just a pure scorer. He can score from anywhere on the court. Yeah. Uh, he can drive. Uh, he, I don't know if he has – he doesn't have the athleticism of Todd Day, but he has that ability to where any given night he could go for 30 and not even blink an eye. Yep. So I think that that's about as close. Uh, I know that – and, again, Arkansas had some great players to choose from. Uh, and Mason Jones, I, again, I think the only element to his game that has really not put him in that position to where he could be one of the all-time great remembered of players, but he just doesn't have that athleticism. I think that that's kind of what throws me off a little bit. Because we've seen some great scorers, Joe, in Razorback history. I mean, Daryl Macon was a great scorer. Dusty Hannes was a great scorer. Uh, even dating back to that, well, we saw players like Sonny Weems, who was a great scorer. Uh, going back even further, you know, guys like Pat Bradley, you know, who could hit threes and, and all that. Maybe that was more of an Isaiah Joe comparison there, too. But my point is, is that he is a unique player that Arkansas really hasn't seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And if Todd Day's the best comparison... You're talking about nearly 30 years ago. Joe Johnson also. That's another great one. Yeah, I can't forget him. So he, he's he's another great player. But, again, Joe Joe Johnson had that athleticism to go along with it. And Mason Jones, it's just – and let's go back to Joe Johnson was highly recruited coming out of high school. I mean, he was one of those players that everybody wanted, ended up going to Arkansas, having a great NBA career. Mason Jones was the complete opposite. He, his only offer was, what, UCA, mm-hmm. I believe, is what the, the story goes. And now he's come in and just – really set the world on fire when it comes to the points that he has put up at a very high volume and at a high level. So it's a unique time right now for Razorback basketball because you're still teetering with the NCAA tournament. Even if you get to the NCAA tournament, I don't think anyone's expecting a Sweet 16, although that'd be great, but tournaments, you never know what could happen. But you also are witnessing one of the greatest performances you'll ever see from an individual player when it comes to scoring, too, because... Well, Mason Jones, I know that he's had some up-and-down games, but the fact that he has that ability to score 30 or even 40 points on any given night is something Arkansas hasn't seen in quite some time. Well, just to have that ability and have that potential along with Isaiah Joe, if he's fully healthy and he's able to do what he can, and then we talk about the other players, that it opens the floor for them. So we like the complete game that we saw the other day with the five guys in double digits. Mm Mm-hmm. That's going to be Arkansas's best chance to win games and also being able to defend well. Yeah, because against Tennessee especially, I just don't like that matchup at all. Uh, we saw it once, and that was by far the worst game Arkansas could have played. They got dominated from beginning to end, and I know that Arkansas didn't play well, but a lot of it had to do with just Tennessee, their length and their athleticism just wore Arkansas out. So I feel like the best case scenario for Arkansas to win this game is Get hot from three, baby. That's it. Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones, Desi Sills, all you guys, even Adriel Bailey, throw him in there. Everybody's got to hit their threes for Arkansas to win that game. When you play small ball like we've been forced to do, uh, the Houston Rockets, they're the same same type of team yeah. as far as 
they're a smaller lineup and their their offense is predicated and I know you can say this about any team that plays basketball but it's all about making shots and for them they have to make shots because they're not going to get many rebounds yeah and Arkansas, the only rebounds that, they, that they're that they really best at getting is those uh, deep threes that get hit off the iron and they just happen to be in the right position. Not going to be boxing out many guys, but Tennessee's going to cause some problems for them with that, that is for sure. But we'll talk about that a lot more in depth tomorrow, too, especially leading into that game, talking about the Razorbacks. I know that yesterday, too, we were, uh, during our show, able to see and watch a little bit of the Kobe Bryant celebration of life that mm-hmm. was going on. You had a lot of iconic and legendary players and celebrities all speaking at that. And, you know, I think that the one – because that was what me and Joe were talking about because we didn't really know the lineup or anything. We were just kind of interested. Like, all right, who's going to speak next? You know, who are they going to bring up next? I wasn't surprised by most of them. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, for instance, I guess he was the MC, if you want to call it that, of the celebration, which we know the relationship and friendship that him and Kobe had. Uh, you know the guys that uh, Rob Polinka was up there, for instance, one of his great friends too. But Shaq wasn't surprising, but no. he, I think that was the one that I wanted to hear from because we all know that relationship was always strange between them, where it was like they had a mad respect for one another, but obviously there was an element there that they still didn't like one another because it wasn't even just like that one moment where they split and left. You know, Shaq went to the Heat. Kobe stayed at the Lakers, and they always think about how, how many more could they have won if they just stuck together. It wasn't even then. It was like after the fact, like five, ten years after the fact. You know, I think it was what Shaq made that rap song, you know, <laughs> asking Kobe how his behind would taste or whatever, you know, like stuff like that. Kobe. It, it, yeah, it kept going on. But now to see, obviously, they got over their beef and to have Shaq up there and speak on We're going to have some audio to play for that later in the show as well. Uh, to see Just to see that kind of closure from Shaq was, I think, was really – was really great and really cool because Shaq, as far as when it comes to L.A., may not be as big as what Kobe was, but Shaq's right up there with the great Lakers that uh, deserve that respect, so it was good to see that too. Well, Shaq actually has a statue outside Staples yeah. Center, so it does show how big he is in L.A., and of course we know that Kobe's going to have a statue as well, but that's why Shaq spoke last, and he had some great stories, and Vanessa Bryant she was able to speak, but the strength that she was able to kind of put everything together as well, she was the one who reached out to everyone and got that lineup of people to, that actually spoke. Um, it's just a credit to her. But, yeah, Shaq, we knew that he would have some great stories, and I, I can't wait to hear some of the sound that we have with some <laughs> of those great stories. And uh, he had the crowd laughing at times because he had some really great ones. Yeah, because not only him, but Michael Jordan, of course, got up there. And that's another the other one that probably fascinated me the most. I know that uh, you know you mentioned Vanessa and how I don't I don't know how she did it. I still can't imagine having to do that. Not only with uh, losing your husband, but also one of your daughters. I just couldn't imagine. But uh, it was also interesting to hear from Michael Jordan because he Michael Jordan's not on social media. He doesn't make a ton of appearances a lot of places. You don't really hear from the guy that's considered the greatest basketball player of all time. And for him to get up there and to show the emotion that he had, he cracked some jokes, and again, we'll have some audio from that too. But it was also intriguing to me because I felt like as far as games go, Kobe's game was about as close to Jordan's game as you would see mm-hmm. because of you know they obviously had – a lot of success, you know, five championships to six championships with Kobe and, and to Jordan. But, you know, just the way that they played, their clutch factor, their do-whatever-it-takes-to-win mentality, their aggressive – I mean, there was just a lot of comparisons there. And so for Jordan to do that – because a lot of cases he doesn't like to – you know, I know that everyone talked about the relationship between him and LeBron. He, like, he didn't want to hear from LeBron. He didn't care about LeBron. But for him to talk about Kobe, I just like it's, I think it's really cool when you get to hear from – legends and people that are the top of the top speak about other legends as well and the personal friendship and relationship they had well somebody mentioned yesterday that Kobe was kind of the link between Jordan and those guys some of the older players that you would consider and then LeBron on the other end but even younger players like James Harden Steph Curry he played against all these guys so he's the common denominator that ties all those guys together um, one of the other speakers yesterday, Sabrina Ionescu, yep. she spoke and honored Kobe and then went out and played a game that night and became the first player in D1 history to have 
2,000 points, 1,000 assists, 1,000 rebounds. Good grief. On the day that they honored Kobe. And her and Kobe talked quite a bit throughout the season. They were great friends. And um, and she was a, um, a mentor to Gigi as well. And so for her to do it on that same day, she goes and honors them. She does it on that day. And she was dealing with the flu herself. Man. It, it was an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. It seems like that the people that are involved and some of the st- like the cool little factors that we've brought up about people who knew Kobe or were honoring Kobe or whatnot. I mean, how awesome is he? Because I think it was, I don't know if we mentioned it just a couple weeks ago, but it was the whole thing, even with like Tiger Woods, when he sunk those putts. 24 well, feet, 8 inches. Like, are you An kidding eagle me? putt are on you ki- one. Are you kidding me? Right. Like, stuff like that, it just blows my mind, and it looks like it's continuing to happen, like you mentioned uh, with her from last night. It's just, like, man, I to- <laughs> maybe that Kobe magic is just getting touched by the people that... Uh, he had a great relationship with, too. Also, on the same day, Bradley Beal, he scored back-to-back 50-point games, and these were not – it wasn't just back-to-back games, but it was one night to the next. He became the first player to do that since Kobe did it. <laughs> and it, so the comparisons and everything, all, all these things that just tie it together, they're all happening. And then Bradley Beal, interesting, interest, interestingly enough, plays for the Wizards the team that Michael Jordan played for. Well, Bill became the first player to do this in a Wizards uniform, and Jordan was the closest to do it. Jordan had 45-point games, back-to-back 45-point games. So That's insane. It, yeah, everything just ties together. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just incredible to see that stuff. But, uh, you know, it, and I'm sure that there'll be something tonight or whatnot that'll probably happen in some sort of comparison to Kobe. But you mentioned her game from last night. You said that she had the flu, correct? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had the flu before, Joe? I never have. Are you serious? Knock on I th- wood. I thought that Where's was, some wood. I thought that was a guarantee. You've never had the flu? Never had the flu. Okay, well, I've had the flu, Joe. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I can tell you something. The last thing I want to do ever is any sort of physical activity whatsoever. And the fact that I hear somebody like that, or, you know, I always think about the Jordan flu game that yep. he had. Like that makes me get even more credit and more respect to those people because I'm again I've had the flu. I know many people have had the flu. The la- only thing I want to do is just sit in bed and rethink my life and wondering if this pain is ever going to end. Like that's how I feel. So to see that type of performance, because we all know the competitor that Kobe was too, he would have battled through if it meant a win. Mm-hmm. He would have stuck it out too. So yeah, these are just awesome stories, awesome audio that we're going to have from the Kobe celebration there as well, and we'll be playing that throughout the show here on Out of Bounds. Another thing I want we're going to bring up, too, and have some fun because I know the guys on The Zone were talking about it, too. Hand size, baby. Hand size. Joe Burrow, according to Twitter there, Joe, and because, you know, Twitter is always right and, and never, you know, satire or anything like that. Joe Burrow tweets out, he says, this is big news. Considering retirement after I was informed, the football will be slipping out of my tiny hands. <laughs> Please keep me in your thoughts. And then Patrick Mahomes, he responds, my small hands are doing all right so far. I believe in you. My goodness. Like, if you can play, you can play. The hand size thing, just once again, it's hilarious because we talked about yesterday, he had, what, nine inches, I think is what his hand size was. Yeah. Which I I guess I got to, because they were measuring their hands. I didn't get to hear what Acre and Wes had their uh, hand size. But I guess we got to measure ours, too, because I got to find out which one of us would be the best quarterback. Because, obviously, if you got the biggest hands – you're the best quarterback. That's all that matters. That's all that matters, I guess. But um, we've, we've seen plenty of players, like Patrick Mahomes has mentioned, um, he's doing all right so far. But then when we looked at ESPN, when we were looking at this story, the, the guy that they pointed to was Brandon Allen, interestingly enough. Yeah. Brandon Allen was the guy that they pointed to because we talked about him yesterday where he's getting the hand massages to stretch his hands out. And Brandon Allen's hands were eight and seven eighths, so just a smidge under nine inches, so eight and seven eighths. Like, does that matter? I guess it. Like, I, I just these are the things. Like I said yesterday, that I just don't understand when it comes into play and why it matters. I mean, is anybody looking at Joe Burrow and thinking that anything's going to change because of his hand size? I just. I just don't understand it. But as we talked about yesterday, it matters for quarterbacks and receivers. It does. Every other position, it doesn't matter. And and I'm saying it matters as far as we talk about it. Mm -hmm. They talk about it. 
other than that, no other positions, they don't talk about it. Yeah. See, this is one of the reasons why I would skip the NFL Combine if I was Joe Burrow. I know I'm going to be one of the best players. I don't want to get measured. I don't want to do nothing. I know he's not going to. I know he's not throwing. Is that correct? Right. He's not throwing. Yeah. Just so. like Chase Young. Chase Young went there to get measured, but he's not going to do anything until his pro day. Yeah. Because those guys are expected to be taken within the top two picks. So somewhere in the top five, if they're not taken in the top two picks, so why do you go there and risk dropping down? Any? Yeah. I, you don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all, but these are the reasons why I wouldn't ever do something like that at all, too. So we're going to have some fun on Out of Bounds, just like we do every day, folks. Since it's Tuesday, it's a Trigger Tuesday, which means that we, around 3 o'clock here this afternoon, me and Joe are going to give some of the things that have triggered us in the world of sports and things that have aggravated us. I got a great one talking about LSU and Will Wade. I hate that guy. If you talk about somebody with a punchable face who works at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, that's what he looks like. He looks like he's a manager, trainee, at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Look at Will Wade, because that's exactly who that guy is. Not to mention the <laughs> fact that he's got wiretaps and everything on him. Obviously, I have very strong opinions on this, Joe. So, But uh, we'll have some fun with that. So if there's anything that is bothering you in the world of sports, something that triggers you, call in to Out of Bounds on the West End Cigars Hotline at 501-433-1037. We'll get to all of that and some quick-hitting headlines on the other side of break on Out of Bounds, 103.7 The Buzz. You're listening to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at Neighbors and at 103.7 The Buzz. Dudley Dawson, Razorback Insider from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and Whole Hog Sports, joins Out of Bounds now. Mr. Dawson, how you doing this morning, or this afternoon, I should say, my man? I'm doing good, John. How about you? Uh, well, we're doing awesome. There's been a lot of things uh, going on in the sports world, I know for a fact. A lot of Razorback stuff and uh, stuff outside of the Razorback, so we want to get to with you. But uh, let me just ask you first and foremost, and start here, Razorback basketball team gets back on the winning track. It's amazing what can happen when Isaiah Joe is fully healthy. He can really help out this basketball team. Who would have guessed? Yep, 17-4, and four, I guess, when he is uh, healthy and in the lineup, 0-6 when he's either healthy or, or missed games, as he did with five. So tells you how important he is, not, and as important as he is offensively, I think it's, uh, it's real big for them defensively as well because he does a really good job defensively and allows the other guys to just kind of take care of their guys uh, instead of having to play a man and a half at times. So, you know, I think he's... He's big, and you could see they had kind of lost their confidence and were down in the in the dumps. But the uh, uh, you know that win, you know, just the body language to start the game really looked better. And then they, uh, uh, by the end of it, I think they'd got a little of their their confidence and their soul back after uh, you know after what had been a tough stretch. Dudley, going into that game against Missouri, what did you expect to see from him? Because I know a lot of people. We're thinking that he's coming back from this injury, probably not going to play as much time, and we don't know if he's going to have that same offensive capability, but he pretty much proved everybody wrong and came back and looked not even just as good, but maybe better than he looked before um, before he left with the injury. Yeah, well, ironically, I went to see Fort Smith Northside play North Little Rock in both the boys and girls games on Friday night and saw – Isaiah's dad, Derek, there, and, and uh, I know that he was ready for him to play not only because so, so he could see him play, but because he was tired of answering the question, when is he going to come back and all these kind of things. And he didn't know then, you know, whether he was going to be able to go, and if he was, how many minutes he was going to be able to go. I thought he might play 20 to 25 if he did play coming back for that, and then he ends up playing 38-plus uh, minutes you know, after he got out there and, and, and just felt good and didn't have the soreness that uh, you hoped he didn't when he came back. So, you know, he's, he seems to be in, in pretty good shape. He has had a few days off here to get rested up. So I expect it certainly to be a much better contest than the first one, which was easily Arkansas's worst game of the year with, with Isaiah out, Mason coming off the bench and not having a good game at all. They just got, uh, you know, uh, ran over pretty good. But I expect it to be a better game, certainly not uh, – guaranteeing an Arkansas win, but uh, being at home and, and having uh, the guy who, who helps them with pace and space uh, is a big uh, you know is a, a big thing for them. Well, let, let me ask you about that matchup against Tennessee because there was no doubt that of all of Arkansas's losses, that was by far 
uh, the worst one as far as them not even being in it from beginning to end. It was just an absolute destruction there by Tennessee. Is it, is it more about the matchup of the Volunteers that worked Arkansas over? Was it just a bad game by the Hogs and a great game by the Volunteers? I mean, what can what can we take from that game that we can expect maybe similar to what this game's going to be tomorrow? Well, I think it was a combination of both. Certainly the Joe and Jones uh, not being at uh, you know at their best uh, certainly was a factor. But I also think that Tennessee under Rick Barnes, uh, whether it be Grant Williams and his team or, or this current team or some of the ones uh, back in the day with Stokes, the uh, uh, they are just physically uh, better than Arkansas in terms of toughness and things like that. That's what Arkansas will have to overcome tomorrow night. Uh, certainly Tennessee has uh, enough skilled people as well, but also I just think that toughness, Arkansas is going to have to play with the toughness and they're going to have to play with some urgencies. Uh, you know, you, we can dance around it, uh, say they're on the bubble and point to the CBS or, or Joe Lenardi and all that. But to me, when I look at the standings, there's four, uh, four SEC teams that are definitely going to be in the NCAA tournament. And then there's six others that still have a chance, but there's going to be no more than two at the most, even if, if any of those six get in, uh, to be able to make that move. So you're going to have to win the games here. You may have to win some at the SEC tournament. Uh, you're going to have to have some other teams fall off uh, because right now you look at it and, and the SEC is more NIT-licious than anything else. <laughs> I like the NIT-licious. Does Arkansas get into the NCAA tournament at 8-10 and 10 in conference play? If I was betting my house, I'd say no. If I was betting John's, I'd say yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, bet John's then. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I think it's going to be a hard – you look at the bubble, and the bubble's not that strong, but there's still so many teams, I think, that they have to get over in the SEC just to get into the NCAA tournament. You can't uh, split with uh, – I mean, you can't get swept by Tennessee. Uh, you have to beat Tennessee tomorrow night, I think, to to give you some firm footing with them. Certainly, Arkansas's got some early non-conference wins that will help them out when Indiana wins at uh, you know big games. It helps them out in other things, but uh, I think it's going to be tough. Now, you know, if you beat LSU at home, then then that's a feather in your cap. But I tell you, the one that that kind of worries me is Buzz Williams is a freaking wizard down at Texas A&M. I don't think that uh, team of his has that much talent at all. And suddenly they're eight and six, and and uh, and you know in, in conference play, they're going to have to beat them as well down at A and M. So it's going to be a chore. But uh, you know certainly there's a chance. But I certainly, you know certainly I think it's going to be tough because not only do you have to take care of your own business, but you got to have some others fall by the wayside. And then you got to root for everybody that's going to get in as conference champs to get in without uh, allowing some upstart to get in. Dudley, I want to switch gears a little bit with you because I know we've had conversations many a time about this particular player, and I'm sure you saw the audio from C.J. O'Grady, Cheyenne O'Grady, whatever you want to call him, uh, talking out about Chad Morris and essentially saying that Chad Morris didn't just tell the whole truth when it came to why he left Arkansas. He says he was dismissed from the team for immature decisions and he shouldn't have done it, but uh, that uh, that's the old C.J., this guy has had his own issues. We all know that. He's a fantastic player. What did you make of his comments there, and what do you make of his chances of possibly getting back into uh, good graces of people and trying to get back into the NFL? Well, uh, number one, I would say that uh, I've known him since uh, almost since he was born. You know, Larry Marks, the former basketball player, was his dad. I don't know if everybody knows that, but uh, obviously I think died when C.J. was three. Uh, and, and, you know, it's been a tough, tough go for, for CJ, but every year, and let me, let me be clear, I love the kid to death. I think he's a good kid overall, but he's not very responsible. He's proven that over the course of the years that he was here. Uh, he can blame coach Morris if he wants, but he then he would also have to blame about 15 other coaches that were here during his tenure that, uh, you know, got aggravated with him because he was not very responsible every year. He would show up in the media room or show up in preseason previews and talk about the new CJ this or the new Cheyenne this <laughs> and would just keep going and going. And overall, I think he's a good kid, but I think the responsibility part just never set in with him. Uh, I thought it was going to take that final year, but it didn't. Uh, if you if you look at his words there, 
he quits showing up at times. And, uh, you know, there were several times that he didn't play that were maybe listed as injuries that were, were you know, he could have gone ahead and played, but the, it was a, a situation to where there was just always something not happening, not getting to a meeting, not getting to class. And he'll be the first one to tell you that. Now, I under, fully understand why now he's at uh, an NFL draft combine or interviewing with these coaches, and he has to put himself in the best light. And, again, I think he's a good kid overall, but responsibility has not been something that's really been an attribute of his. I really, really hope that – and I know, I know he's going to get drafted. I mean, obviously he's moved himself down in the draft from – from this year and some others, but I, I'm sure he's going to get drafted. I hope he goes to a team with a big-time support system, a big-time disciplinary head coach, one that will just ride him because he has the talent to be an NFL player and be an NFL player for a long time. But how he acted as a football player here will not get it done up there. They'll find somebody else. Dudley, I think you just drafted CJ to the Patriots. Um, where would you expect him to go in the draft? Because that that was before, prior to you saying that, that was my question for you. Did you think he was going to get drafted, or did you think it'd be as a free agent? But since you said you think he's getting drafted, where would you expect him to get drafted? From, from the people I, I had talked to going into last season, they thought he was going to be a, a second or third round draft choice because of the way he came back his junior year and played so well. Uh, now, with what has happened here, I think he's going to be more of a fifth to sixth round choice. He's going to be a steal for somebody if they can get him in here and get that support, get him in there and get him the support system that I'm talking about. He has a chance to be a really, really good player, but he cost himself so much money. Now, he can recoup for that in a second contract if he gets to a team and he you know, he becomes responsible and, and moves himself on. And, again, I think the kid has such a good heart, he just doesn't make good decisions at a time. But now every decision you make costs you money. It doesn't cost you games. It costs you money. And so I think that he really has to find a coach and a, and a, and a support system that's going to be on him from day one. All right, I want to switch gears once again with you, Dudley, because I know that there's so many things in Razorback sports going on, but I wanted to ask you just a little bit about baseball because Robert Moore has really become a huge storyline for the Razorback baseball team. He's 17 years old. He should be a high school senior. Uh, and not only is he on the Razorback baseball team roster, not only is he starting, but he is getting accolades and was named Perfect Games Player of the Week. And he's 17. He's just putting up numbers what have you made from this kid? And, I mean, is it, what's the potential here? Because it seems like when I was – I know when you were 17, you may have been, you know, ballerific like it's all terrific. But when I was 17, I can tell you right now that I was nowhere close to even being ready for college, much less college athletics. What do you make of this kid? Well, I can tell you that uh, at age 17, I was not as mature as he is at age 17. I can tell you I'm not as mature at 56 <laughs> as he is at 17. <laughs> I've been very impressed with him. Uh, you know, it's hard not to go overboard, and he uh, came to the media room the last uh, four games because he had such good games, and I know that people are going to get tired of us just lauding him. But it's like I told him as he was leaving the other day, unless you go 0 for 4 and have a bad stretch, we're going to have you in here every game because you're a good player and you're a good quote. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's just a, a, a breath of fresh air. He came in and he, you know, if my dad were the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, I'm cocky enough as it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I mean, I would be, but he's down to earth, great kid. Uh, he has earned the respect of his teammates. Uh, he's like, he's more like 5'7 than 5'9, but boy, he's got a good bat swing. He's a switch hitter. Uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him, whether it's in baseball or not. Just very impressed with him. But again, I. I I hesitate to just go absolutely overboard because I know people don't want to hear too much about him. But I'm I'm looking. Uh, Patron and I are going down down to Houston this weekend, and I'm going to cover the tournament down there. And and I've already had some calls from uh, other teams wanting to know about uh, Robert Moore. You know, and of course I can't tell them anything. I don't know what they think I am a scout or something, but. Uh, uh, you know, he's just, he's a great kid and, and, and such a great pickup for Dave Van Horn. I'll tell you one quick story. 
uh, was talking to him and, and asked him with what Coach DeBrian had done and Coach Van Horn had done and as far as building this program. Was that something that really attracted you, attracted you to Arkansas? And he said, well, Coach Van Horn has done a lot of things, but I'm not aware of this Coach DeBrian that you talked about. And I got to thinking about it. <laughs> wow. And Coach DeBrian retired two years before uh, Robert Moore was born. Huh. Good wow. grief. So is that typical for you to um, have the opportunity to talk to him? Because I know sometimes freshmen are off limits, and maybe it varies by sport. But is that typical for you to have the opportunity to talk to him as a freshman? Baseball-wise, and certainly I think it's, uh, you know, in basketball-wise too, the last few years freshmen have been off limits until they played in football, but I don't think that's going to be a rule anymore. But, uh, yeah, baseball has been winning and successful, and and so they're – they're fine. They have no uh, problems with us talking to, to anybody. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you this too, Dudley, because this I thought was fascinating since you're the you're recruiting guy. But uh, one of the things that I noticed that came out about the 2019 recruiting class for college football was that uh, the spending – which we're just talking about the the right spending, the legal mm-hmm. spending, not the uh, you know bagman or under anything the like table. under the table stuff, but the actual yes. legal spending. What that happens? Yeah, who would have guessed in college sports? But Arkansas was actually in the top five in spending. Georgia was number one with three point six million dollars in spending. Alabama was number two with a million dollars less at two point six. Tennessee at two point two. Clemson at two point two. Arkansas comes in at $1.9 million. Now, we know this is the 2019 class, which was a phenomenal class by Chad Morris, but is there a correlation you could make to, hey, the more you spend, the more you invest, the better the results you will have when it comes to recruiting? In the big scheme of things, I would say yes. Over the course of uh, you know a decade, two decades, certainly that has been the case, but I think uh, when you look at Coach Morris, they got a lot of good players just because of their recruiting footprint and and all that, so I don't know that that was much of a correlation, but certainly in the, in when you look at the long-term deal, it has helped out. And I would tell you this, uh, for all that the things that Jeff Long, we can criticize him about, uh, him and Hunter Yurchek have given the football coaches what they needed to win. And they they did, the, basically they've got four wins out of that uh, the last two years, eight wins out of the last 36 games. So the money spent has not been money uh, that was well earned, and I think that's one of the biggest decisions, de- biggest decisions that Hunter Yurchek had in cutting the cord so quick. I believe that Sam Pittman's going to do a great job recruiting. Uh, I was you got to be impressed with what he got done in terms of rallying uh, this 2020 class, and uh, with uh, a budget and with his. Uh, uh, the staff he's put together, I would suspect that 2021 is going to be a great class and well worth the money that they're going to spend. As far as spending, does uh, construction and facilities, are those things that factor into the spending as a whole? Yeah, they're, they're, when I talk to recruits, they'll mention the facilities, they'll mention relationships, they'll mention uniforms. A lot of them like the uh, uh, anthracite, even though the fans don't. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, It all factors in, but I think the biggest thing overall is the relationship with the coaches. And you know, That's always going to be the thing. Winning is high as well, but I think relationship with the coaches has been you know, a little bit more than that at times. And then really the third thing is your facilities. Uh, now, you cannot have them and succeed. Uh, I think Arkansas's basketball program was set back simply because they didn't have a basketball practice facility, not that they necessarily needed it, but other school, schools could use it against them in recruiting. Uh, so, I, you know, it, it kind of all factors in, but I think the relationships remain the number one thing. All right, Dudley, uh, before we let you get out of here, man, I just wanted your thoughts. Did you get a chance to watch the uh, Kobe Bryant celebration of a life yesterday at all? Yes. I mean, just so many great speakers and, and so many, uh, you know, regardless of me being a Boston Celtic fan, I had nothing but respect for Kobe Bryant during his career. I wanted him to lose every game he played <laughs> except <laughs> one, which was his last one, uh, but just respected him as a competitor and and as a, a girl dad, uh, I really admired what he did in that vein and certainly liked the way that that uh, hashtag and that uh, ph- you know, philosophy has taken off. 
Um, you know, it, it, uh, uh, she was going to be a star uh, in all nine people that, uh, that you know, perished in the, the helicopter. Uh, seemed like they were all great people and, and on their way to either having lived a great life or going to live one. Yeah, it was certainly a great, great celebration, and it's amazing to see the outpouring of much of support that's been continuing to go on, and I'm sure it will continue to go on. Dudley Dawson of HawkSports.com and the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Great stuff as always, my man Dudley. We'll catch you with you next week. All right, buddy? Sounds good. All right, appreciate it. That was Dudley Dawson once again, and he'll be joining us every Tuesday around this time on Out of Bounds. we got a few more things to get to. I know people have been calling in, want to talk some Razorbacks, want to talk some Trigger Tuesday. You know, people are going to be upset by a few things as well. A lot of things to be upset about. I can't wait till this day in sports, Joe. I just found out something that's on this day of sports, and I'm going to give it to you because I know that we're going to have that coming on later in this hour as well. So we're going to have some fun with that. All happening on Out of Bounds, 103.7 The Buzz. You're listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors and at 1037TheBuzz. Welcome back to Out of Bounds here from the Ariana's Pizza Studio. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin, Guatney Chevrolet. It's Arkansas's number one Chevy dealer and their family owned since 1957. And it's tax time in Arkansas, so it's the time of the year where you file your taxes and you go to Guatney Chevrolet to upgrade your trade. A little refund goes a long way at Guatney Chevrolet. 0% interest for 72 months on a 2020 Silverado 1500. The same 0% interest for 72 months on an Equinox. Sales tax is paid, no payment for 90 days. You get an additional $750 when you switch from a non-GM brand to Chevrolet. The 2019s, there's huge discounts on them. The ones that are remaining, there's a sell down on them as well. So. You can get any of those 2019s, and the prices are slashed. Guaranteed approvals for bad credit, subprime financing as low as 9.9% on select models. So bring that tax refund to Guatney Chevrolet first. Guatney Chevrolet off the Gregory Street exit in Jacksonville. Go Guatney or go home. By the way, since it's a Trigger Tuesday, we had Kevin just uh, message into the Keithley Company Service Life and Feedback. He said, I helped coach Summer League baseball a few years ago. You described the parents to a T down to the White Oakleys. You probably could have added a Harley motorcycle and unemployment as well. Oh, jeez, Kevin. Guess you've had some run-ins with them as well. I, I mean, I, I don't understand it, man. I don't understand it. And that's where it's like, you know, Joe. I know we're going to get real personal in here, but this is this is brought it up I, again. I don't have kids. I'm not married or anything like that. But I'm telling you right now, there's two things that if I ever do get blessed to have kids, and maybe you can speak more to this since you actually have kids. Maybe you can help me out here. There are two things that I do not want from my children. Number one is I do not want my son, if I have a son, to ever feel like that uh, me as a parent is just the the overbearing jerk parent that embarrasses them <laughs> at games. <laughs> I like the wording on that, overbearing jerk parent. Yes, I don't want him to ever feel that way. Now, I'm not saying that I won't be involved and not encouraging and all that, but... I, I don't want to be that one that all the kid, other kids are talking about being like, hey, what's wrong with your dad up there, man? Like, what's his problem? I don't ever want to be that. And the second thing, I don't want any daughters. Whoa, come on now. I was Even before you got into that whole thing about, <laughs> about if I'm blessed to have a son, I was going to say girl dad. Mm-mm. Remember girl dad. I, don't I want- mean, I think I know where you're going with this about not wanting any daughters, but it it it's something that would – Change your life. Take my word on that. I I I appreciate that, Joe. I really do. Uh, but for instance, I for one, I hope that when I do get married, if I ever get married, my wedding hashtag is no daughters for John, because I I do not want to have any daughters. Because every time I go to the mall or anything like that, I get stressed, and it's just it's just the way that it's it's just the way that it is with kids these days that. I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, was I was I that way when I was that age? But what makes the difference between a son and a daughter when it comes to that? It, it's just, <laughs> I would I know me because I know me, right? I know me more than anything. With a son, I would I would be able to give the independence to and you know have him make his decisions, but also you know be the parent that I need to be there for. Because I I was a son. I mean, I was mm-hmm. a, I was a, I was a son. I I know uh, how that was. But with a daughter. I would be the most overprotective father of all time. 
every guy she brought home I'd want to kill. Like, I know that that's how I would be. Uh, and I wouldn't trust any guy whatsoever. Well, welcome to the club, girl dad. And that's why I'm saying I don't want to have You don't want to go through that. I don't want to go through that. You don't want the stress that. of that. I don't want the stress of that. I don't want the stress of how much money I'm going to have to spend on clothes. Like, and like throwing a sweet 16 birthday party. Like, this is the stuff that goes into my mind. Maybe Did you I'm, have one of those? Did you have? Not, sweet 16. Not, not sweet 16, but like just celebrating no. 16 because no. that is one of those ages where I actually had one. <laughs> I had one. I mean, it wasn't a, anything. It what, wasn't anything huge. What did you do? Uh, had had like a party at the house. Oh, but it wasn't like rolling out a brand new car for you or anything like that when you turned sixteen. No, okay. no, that no, okay. not not to that extent. But it was a party. Though. It was a party. Okay. It was a it was a house party where my mom said, invite some people over and you can have as many people as you yeah. want. You can play loud music. You can do what you want and. Have a party. Yeah. You're 16. And again, by me saying this, I am not trying to offend anybody out there that has a daughter or anything like that. So don't misconstrue the message. Cannot make that any more clear. I am just saying, knowing me personally, I would be so overprotective of my daughter that I would probably make her miserable. And I wouldn't want that. Because, again, any guy she even talked to, even looked at her, I'd be like... Oh, where's my gun? Like, I mean, it just be like I would be so over the top about it, and and I know I'm probably wrong in that, and that's fine. But that's why I don't have kids. Not sure. And here's the thing: if I had a daughter, I would be the most. I'd probably fall in love with her, and I'd be the most welcoming dad of all mm-hmm. time. Things would probably change if it actually ended up happening. But again, I just maybe it's because I knew how I was and the things I thought as a kid, right? That I wouldn't want anyone thinking that way of my daughter. Jason says, I'm with John. He's uh, HB. HB said, hashtag girl dad. He has two girls. Mm. But uh, Jason says, I'm with John. He says, by not having daughters, it's probably kept him out of jail. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, man. Like, and it's just like, I see, I I just see that, like, I can't, when I can't get, when I get to the point where I can't distinguish between when I, when I'm out and about, if, there's a certain girl that's like or the daughter or whatever that's in like junior high or in college that becomes problematic. And I just can't imagine as a father having to deal with that. It's just it, there's a lot there's a lot of responsibility that comes on with being a parent. And it's something that is one of the most important things you could probably do in your life. Not even probably. It's for sure. One of the most important things you should probably do in your life is to be a parent. It's an, it's an epic responsibility that no one has perfected. No one perfects it. Ralph says daughters are cool. Uh, again, daughter, it's not it's not the daughters I have a problem with. It's me that right. I have a problem with. I would have a problem with myself because I know how I would be. It's not you. It's me. Exactly right. And again, it, this is this I I for every I don't have any nieces. I have four nephews. My brother has three sons. So when that one girl comes into the mix. It's going to be a big deal. <laughs> right. But, a huge but, deal. But there's nothing but males in my family. Like it, the neighbors is a very male-dominated gene. <laughs> and so I am praying to the good Lord that if I do have kids, he will continue on the neighbor's tradition of boys. Because I, <laughs> I just could feel like I'd be able to handle that a little easier, man. Uh but that's why I wanted to refer to you, Joe, because I know you have kids. You have a daughter. Yes. So, oh, yeah. Like I said, it'll change your life. Mm-hmm. But did you feel kind of similar maybe at one point that, like, or how, how old is your daughter, if you don't mind me? She's asking? 11. She's 11. Okay. So she guess she's not to that age yet. But do you think when she gets to that I'm, age where she starts being, you know, uh, going on dates, do you feel like you're going to? Oh, I'm dreading it for yeah. sure. Okay. See, that's where I'm at. I, I just, but I think you'll do fine with it. You're, you're pretty easy going. And you probably get to the point where you, you trust your daughter enough to make the good decisions and all that. So it's just, it stressed me out, though. See, I'm getting stressed about it right now. And just I don't thinking even have about a kid. it, right. I'm not even married yet. Good grief. So it's just, it's killing me inside, man. It's killing me inside. Let's go to the phone lines. Cynthia's in Sherwood. What's going on, Cynthia? How are you doing? You are killing me. I'm laughing so hard about this girl. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it, Cynthia. I just it, it just stresses me out, so I have to laugh about it, I guess, and to get fired up about it and feel because I feel very strongly I'm, about this. I'm glad now that I don't have girls. I have three boys, but the thing is, when you have boys, and as a woman, you want to make sure that you are raising your boys and men that you would potentially want your daughter today. Hundred percent agree. There you go. And so 
I think that's where it is. If you're raising your man child is to be who you would want your daughter to date, then it works out. But if there, if you have that unevenness where you don't teach that child how to treat a woman, treat a girl, then you're going to have those worries. And mm. so I don't feel worried. I feel like my boys all know how to treat a woman and what they should do, how to act and how to do that. And so I would, uh, you know, if I had a car, it would be something totally different because having raised, we were girl prominent. My dad had three girls and I had three boys. So it was totally opposite in our family. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is I like how you bring up that point because, that's something that gets lost in it. Because, listen, my, I'm not, I don't think my parents would ever admit that they were perfect. But the one thing that I will always, even at the age of 30, that I will respect and, and love from my parents is that they raised me to treat people with respect and especially women. You treat people and, the way you want to be treated. Exactly. And they, and they did a great job of instilling that into not only just me, but my brothers and everybody that and how important it is. And so... You know, that's something that I think as parents, you know, and whether it's a, as a son or a daughter, you know, you got to be able to instill that same mentality into them that you want them to be raised into a society where everybody's the same of treat, just treating people with respect. Yes, it's just waiting. Just, just chill out and be a kid. Enjoy it for as long as you can. That's, that's right. key, My definitely. My 20-year-old son has realized that, that having a girlfriend is expensive. <laughs> that's another thing that would stress me out too is the amount of it affect my bank book at the end of the day too having daughters it does yeah. I wouldn't trade them for anything I have a niece two nieces and they're expensive and I'm the auntie so I know oh man it does make a difference between boys the boys are good with some shoes and some a good haircut they're good but it's almost it's a natural progression a natural thing where Cynthia, you have boys. The boys are drawn to the mom. The girls are drawn to the dad. It's just natural. That happens. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They are definitely mama's boys. And so definitely they all tell me they're going to take care of me. And I'm like, I don't need you to take care of me. I just want you to be out on your own taking care of yourself. <laughs> there you go. Well, I appreci- appreciate the phone call, <laughs> Cynthia. appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, this is this is the important stuff, Joe. Obviously, we didn't plan on talking about being a girl dad, but yet here we are. And Easy said, you're going to end up having girl triplets. Oh, don't see. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Stop. And my luck, they'll all want to be like Instagram models or something like that. It just, I'm stressed, man. I'm getting sick to my stomach just thinking about it. Just this. thinking about it. Cheney messaging in the Keithley Company Service Life fan feedback. I was the same way before my daughter was born. Trust me, being it is amazing being a girl dad. I don't, di- I don't disagree. Life. I don't disagree. I'm just saying if I had a choice in the matter, give me the sons. If I had a choice, artificial insemination. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't mess with Mother Nature, Joe. You should know that better than anybody. All right, we got one final segment. Three and out. Out of bounds. Coming up. Thanks for listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found, and be sure to visit 1037thebuzz.com for all things buzz.